Disney Roulette is a movie review podcast in which we discuss, in detail, the movies available on Disney's streaming service. In internet speak, that means, spoiler alert, you've been warned. Also, while Disney films are safe for the whole family to enjoy together, this show is not. Listener discretion is advised. All that said, let's do this shit. Welcome to Disney Plus Roulette, a magical movie review podcast. I'm your host, Kate. And I'm the rootinest, tootinest Bob there ever was. <laughs> uh, oh, God. What was the phrase? Rip roaring. Rip roaring. <laughs> We're like, I don't think I ever want to hear the phrase rip roaring unless it's being said by the announcer of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. <laughs> That's like the only context in which I want to hear the phrase rip roaring nowadays. We are not even into the podcast yet, and we are ripping on this movie. Yeah. Get it? Rip-roaring on this? I've been on vacation this week. That's been pretty nice. Started packing up the house a little bit. Working on some resin stuff for sale. 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 Oh, the movie is... I can't watch a country movie. It comes out. It's a problem. It happened in our other podcast, too. Yeah, Jake's character is Southern, and it pulls it right out of me. Yep. Can't control it. What else did we done? We played a lot of Overwatch, and uh, you're actually waiting to hear a call about your second interview any second now. Yep. But it went well, so fingers crossed. Yeah. You got anything else exciting you want to talk about here with our people? (sighs) Well, I do have this bridge that is for sale, and if anyone is interested, please contact me. You've got a bridge for sale? Yeah. You didn't know? No. What kind of bridge? Well, it's a double-decker bridge. It moves from this conversation to the next one. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, God. Let's go to the news. So the big news that I'm sure everybody saw blowing up their Facebook feeds is that Rogers and Hammerstein Cinderella dropped on Disney Plus today. I'm pretty excited about that. I do enjoy it quite a bit. Did you ever see that one? Nope. Really? That is surprising to me. Once again, I will state that I feel like I am the most uneducated, educated theater major there ever was. Yeah, it just was all over TV when it came out. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. This is the, um... This is the one with Brandy. Yes, no, I do, I did see this. Yes, 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 yes. I was like, man, what rock were you living under? (laughs) No, you couldn't escape it when that came out. Yeah. I rewatched it, I think, in college with one of my friends. Mm. It's a good time. I mean, it's cheesy because it's Rodgers and Hammerstein, but I dig it. Mm -hmm. It's a legit version. Yeah, I have nothing bad to say about it. So I'll probably watch that sometime in the relatively nearish future. Try to make some time for it. In other news, Disney Plus now has 95 million subscribers, which means we're never going to sell that spare copy of Civil War I found yesterday. (laughs) Everybody has all the Marvel movies at their fingertips. Yes. They've actually managed to make a $17 million profit this year, which in Disney terms is not a lot, but pretty shocking that they made a profit at all for a largely theme park and movie theater based business. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. A large portion of that is of course due to the success of Disney Plus and it makes sense that Disney's chief executive Bob Chapek, yep. is that how you say that it? That is how you say it. He has said that he's been wanting to lean pretty heavily into the streaming service aspect of their company and it appears that's a pretty good call. Yeah. Cuz I think that's basically keeping them afloat right now. Yeah, I mean in the investors meeting they basically said everything from now on will be at least somewhat directed towards disney plus so you got anything for us in a marvel minute uh i mean other than the fact that currently right now wandavision is coming out every friday and that will run directly into falcon and the winter soldier 
yeah. in March. So I'm super excited. If you didn't see during the Super Bowl, they did release another trailer. It is badass. There's a lot of good things going on in there, and I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody who doesn't want to see it or just hasn't seen it yet. So other than that, we recently just saw a couple articles come out of the trade saying that Kevin Feige is fighting corporate and basically wants to push back the release if for some reason they can't open theaters sooner than later. And I'm pretty sure it is Bob Chapek is is the one pushing for it, basically saying, well, we're going to probably do Black Widow as Disney Plus release or some sort of hybrid. And there's a lot of things going on there. It's in Scarlett Johansson's contract that it's get it's a theatrical release. Kevin Feige is pushing it back because he wants it to be exclusively released in theaters. Right. And that might mean needing to push it back. It's in her contract. I guarantee that there's a profit-sharing thing that's based on that for probably her and other key cast members, if not crew members, producers, and whatnot. So, like, they all have a reason that they want it to go theatrical because you make more money that way, period. Yeah, they made some money for Mulan, but it was nowhere near what it would have been had it been a theatrical release. So, you know, if they delay it again, that would put it likely, push it back, also the Shang-Chi movie, and also the Eternals. For all we know, that could do Spider-Man. I love Marvel Cinematic Universe and the fact that it's all connected and that there's Easter eggs in this and that, you know, you gotta see this movie before you see that movie, but this is the downside to that. Did you say this part? Currently, Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings is slated for July, and Eternals is slated for November. Original date for Spider-Man 3 was going to be December, and that's technically a Sony release, so that's why it doesn't keep showing up on our radars, but I think it may have also just been pushed back to 2022. I think that one was still listed as later this year, but I might be wrong. There's so much controversy about what is official and what's not official, so I'm not going to speculate, but gosh, if any half of the rumors are true, it's going to be an amazing movie. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, we're lucky enough that we have a brand new theater that is social distancing open near our house. Yeah. So I am all for releasing it now, and if you can see it in theaters, great, and if you can't, you have it on Disney+. Plus. I just want to see it. Yeah, we're, you know, not in New York, not in California. Right. All right, so on to the drink for this week's episode. It's actually not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Uh, thank you for your vote of confidence. That makes me feel great. Uh, it was just the flavors we were trying to throw in together. Let's see, what do we want to call this? Oh, I know, I know. Let's call it the Coonskin Coffee. Not actually made with Coonskin. I'm pretty sure most of our listeners know now what you do for a living, so yeah, that would be ridiculous. Yeah. So our thought process for this one was some kind of trail drink and... You know, they'd be drinking coffee out on the trails. And he is, of course, from Tennessee, Mm -hmm. he being Davy Crockett. Our movie this week is, of course, Davy Crockett and the River Pirates. So the thought was some kind of coffee and some kind of bourbon concoction. So what we came up with was you take a 12-ounce cup of coffee, throw in a shot of some kind of coffee-flavored liqueur. We went with Kraken Black Roast Coffee Rum, a shot of bourbon. We chose Copper Fox Rye. Copper Fox is a local distillery. Then you can add however much creamer or whatever to taste. I put a lot of creamer in. Yeah, I did too. I'm a little (laughs) bit of a coffee pansy, but I like it. It's good. So a little bit of trivia about this movie. And by a little bit, I mean a little bit because there's not much. It came out in 1956. Just like The Boy Who Talked to Badgers, it was two one-hour TV specials that they mashed together and made into a movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. It was filmed in color, even though most people at that point did not have TV color, TV colors, color TVs in their home, but that made it for an easy transition to a theatrical release. So they actually aired it and they also released it in theaters as the movie. And it stars Fess Parker of Old Yeller fame and Buddy Ebsen from the Beverly Hillbillies and Breakfast at Tiffany's. That's all I got. That's your trivia? <laughs> That's my trivia. <laughs> Let's get into it. As we discussed last week, it starts with a disclaimer about how the things depicted in this movie are not great. And we leave them in there to show that this is not great. And we have come very far and you should go check out good content made by these people of color that we are mocking in this movie. You know you're in for a good time when it starts with 
Dear all the people we offended, we're really sorry. Yeah. We did a bad thing. We didn't know any better? (laughs) I'll get into that a little bit later. Okay. Yeah. So five minutes in, and I am already sick of the southern accents in this movie, and I am fully aware of the fact that I have one. But even as a person who grew up in the South with a family from North Carolina, I was over the southern accents in five minutes. I mean, the accents didn't bother me. I come from Pennsylvania, so yeah. Once I got into the movie a little bit more, I kind of just got used to it. But man, it comes out swinging with that southern accent. Oh, yeah. When the movie opens up, we start with Davy and his buddy Georgie, and they're setting up camp for the night. A skunk crawls underneath Georgie's blanket, and he gets skunked. Yeah, if that skunk had gone off, they both and all of their stuff, probably for a good 10-foot radius, would have been screwed for a while. Oh, yeah. Did you hear about the infamous CNU skunking? No. When I was at school, CNU was my college, I was a biology major. We would occasionally get donations of different animals that either, you know, were roadkill or hunters had killed them and taken the parts that they wanted and they would give the rest to us and we could have things for dissection and things like that. We got a bear once. That was pretty cool. What? Yeah. I mean, sad that the bear died, but... Absolutely. <laughs> cool to have a bear dissected. Yeah. Um, but one day we got a skunk, and when they were dissecting it, somebody cut into the stinky part. Oh. The science building smelled like skunk for about two weeks. The entire building. Oh. Yeah. So what you're saying is, is they wouldn't have made camp there for the rest of that night. Yeah. Accurate. Okay, just checking. But also, if that skunk skunked Georgie, that smell was going to follow them wherever they went anyway. So the next morning, they are traveling down. They want to sell some pelts in New Orleans. I believe they're in Ohio at this point. Yeah, I think so. So they are trying to find a riverboat to take them down to New Orleans. And they come across the Gullywumper? The Gullywumper. Yeah. And... The captain of this boat is Mike Flynn? Is that correct? Mike Flynn. Flynn. Yep. Man, this actor is like chewing the scenery like cud. <laughs> that dude is just like, han, nan, nan, nan. This movie is mine. I will own this movie oh. as my character owns the river. FYI, that is Fink with an F-I-N-K. Mike Fink? Yep. Okay, thank you. I knew it was something like that. So he basically tells them, yeah, sure, I'll take you to New Orleans if you give me $1,000. In the 50s. Oh, no, but this takes place before the 50s. Right. Let's stand by. Let's do some quick research. When does Davy Crockett take place? 1836. Okay, so we can actually... Inflation calculator. Yep. 1836. Okay, here we go. So $1 in 1800 is equal to about $20.76 today. Doing that math, $28,127 I'll take you to New Orleans. Okay, and let's remind you that that's going downriver, so it's easier. Two dudes with a couple bags of pelts on their backs, $28,000. So a gully wumper... Unlike a hurricane that covers vast amounts of area, a gully wumper typically refers to a local thunderstorm that turned severe with the rainfall. Interesting. All right. I'm glad to hear that because any of those really old-timey words, I now am automatically just kind of assume that it's racist and I'm scared to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, a gully wumper is just a thunderstorm that gets really bad. FYI, Mike Fink keelboats were small boats that navigated the rivers of America at Disneyland, the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World, and Disneyland Paris. Interesting. They closed on 1997. So now I'm assuming that it was the boat that would take you over... uh, To Tom Sawyer Island. Yes. So I'm, I'm assuming that they've gotten rid of them and now use those other ones that they use now. Interesting. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. I brought the trivia. Yeah, you did. 
So when he tells them that's how much he's going to charge, they're like, okay, deuces, I'm going to talk to this old man chilling on this boat literally five feet on the other side of this dock. Yeah. So they go to talk to Captain Cobb. And Captain Cobb says our first racial slur of the movie, he calls the Native Americans engines. Yep. Here we go. So Captain Cobb's crew has ditched him because they are scared of the indigenous people. And he decides with Davy and Georgie to put together a small crew and sail down to New Orleans. At this point, I turned to Kate and said, wow, we're doing an 1800s Fast and Furious movie. We're putting together the crew and we're going to do all this stuff on the river with this action-packed thing. So... You know, Davy Jones is just the 1800, or Davy Crockett. I was going to say, you want to re-say that joke. (laughs) I do. So Davy Crockett is just the 1800s Vin Diesel. I mean, your logic is sound. Yeah. So Davy and Georgie start walking through the town looking for a crew. Georgie watches a dude kick the shit out of another dude. Uh, This guy's name is Jocko. Mm -hmm. He looks like Popeye. Yes, he does. A very redheaded Popeye. Georgie gets him drunk, I guess, to kind of make him more willing to go. I don't know. The forced alcoholism that happens in this movie. Yeah, there's a lot of alcohol. There's a lot of forced drinking. Yeah, because, like, he buys him a drink, but then Georgie doesn't drink. He's, like, very specifically faking drinking while he's buying Jocko multiple shots. It was strange. So Jocko gets a little drunk and... Georgie's like, hey, you should come be on our crew. And Jocko is like, oh, hey, Mike, who's standing five feet away? This guy's trying to steal me from your crew. So now Mike is like, whoa, you don't touch my shit. Stay away from my dudes. And he tells the bartender to make, quote, Mike's special. The Mike Fink special. The Mike Fink special. That's right. And the bartender mixes this thing up, and it's some kind of concoction that obviously has dry ice in it. It's bubbling over and looks super toxic and dangerous. They definitely made it look like he put hot sauce in it and a bunch of different things that you wouldn't want to drink. And then they force Georgie to drink it. Yeah. Literally, Jocko holds his arms down, and Mike makes him drink it. Yeah. Now, let me say, we say that Jocko kind of looks like Popeye. Mike Fink is probably the closest thing I've ever seen to a human representation of Bluto. Yeah, he not only looks like it, but he also, that's essentially who the character is. (laughs) Yeah, I would even go as far as, he could even play a real-life Pete from everything else Disney. Yeah, he could. Yeah. So, Davey has been wandering around at this point, he's trying to find Georgie. He walks into the bar, Georgie is up. In the chandelier, he's got one of the big poles that they use to push the boats, to row the boats, and he is rowing in a circle on the chandelier, spinning the chandelier on the ceiling, and Mm -hmm. he is drunk. Three sheets to the wind, if you would. Yes. And he has apparently signed them up for a race against the Gullywumper. Davy's like, great, because that's what we need. (laughs) And while he is spinning the chandelier, rowing, he unscrews it and crashes to the ground. Yup. Not the best day for Georgie. The next day, they are all set up. Like, the whole town has gathered to watch this race take off because Mike Fink is the king of the river, so this is a big deal. They push off, and when they push off, half of Cobb's people fall off the boat with the first yeah. push. So I hadn't seen a boat like this before, so I'll go ahead and explain it quick because I did not know this was really a thing. But basically, it looks like an arc, but small. Much, 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 much smaller. They have four guys stand on either side of the boat with a really long pole, and they just... Push off the riverbed. And move the boat along that way. Yep. They walk to the front of the boat, and then they push until the boat, and they walk with it until they're at the back of the boat. And then they're all supposed to turn around as a crew and go back to the front. Well, instead of stopping and turning, they walk to the back of the boat and just walk off the back of the boat, which is so stupid. Yep, they sure do. They sure do do that. So Mike's crew, however, has a rhythm going, and they're singing a song, and they're, like, walking and rowing to the song. Oh, and it's about Mike Fink, the River King. Oh, yes. And how women run in fear when he's coming. Women and children run in fear. (laughs) And they board up the windows. Yeah. Sounds like a classy guy to me, I'm just saying. Yeah. In my notes, I just wrote, oh, no, a song. (laughs) 
And then on Captain Cobb's boat, I think it's Georgie. Georgie. Who's like, hey, they've got a song and that's got them in rhythm. We should have a song too. And now my next note is, oh no, another song. And this one, they straight up just sang the Davy Crockett theme. Yes, but with modified lyrics to tell the story of them sailing on the river. And somehow, they all know the words to it. They sure do. It's the power of teamwork, Bob. (laughs) They get to a fork in the road, and Mike leaves a fake floating barrel sign thing. It's a buoy. I mean, it is a buoy, but it's not modern technology buoy. It's literally a sign attached to a barrel. Right. And basically, it's a channel marker saying which direction you should go. Right. And he tells them to go the wrong direction, and he sends them down what is known as Dead Man's Chute. Sounds like a fun time to me. (laughs) Yeah. And apparently this is an area with a ton of rapids, but they manage to make it through. I mean, it's Davy Crockett. That's right. So while they are docked the next night, Mike pulls the old, I've got a hollow reed, I'm going to swim underwater and breathe through the hollow reed trick that you see in every old Disney movie. Yep. He swims under their boat and unscrews a bunch of bolts from the rudder of Captain Cobb's boat. Yep. They are sailing along the next day, and I guess this is a common docking spot known for picking up ladies. Because <laughs> all the dudes on Mike's boat are doing pit checks and seeing how much they smell and trying to like do their hair and look okay. better. So here's the thing I didn't get about this. Because clearly, what do they call it? The cave... In, which is funny because it's a cave-in. They're literally a bunch of guys up on this area. Now, one is dressed like a bartender and he's got the, the apron and he's up there. And, Come on in! But then there's two guys who are out of sight and they are literally going, Yeah, come on up here, big boys! And calling them in as if they are women. Um, Number one, you could tell that it's a man speaking like a woman. Number two... They're not used to this thing being there. Mike and his crew are taken surprised by this. Now, he's the River King. To me, he would know about this thing. And he's like, oh, they turned it into an inn. It's not something that is normally on their path. Bob, they were given the impression that there were women there waiting for them. They were not thinking with their upstairs brains. Big boy, come on! Yep. Downstairs brain. (sighs) Mike and his crew don't know this, but we know that there are, like Bob said, it's these dudes in disguise and a bunch of Native Americans waiting for them. Well. We'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. I'm trying to hold back. I know. Mike decides not to dock because Davey and the rest of Cobb's crew have started to catch up to them, so I don't want to lose time. The bad guys are like, well, let's just go get him anyway. And they go rowing out with a bunch of the Native Americans. And then it is like multiple minutes of white guys cackling as they shoot indigenous people in a kid's movie. What? what? This made me very uncomfortable. It's not great. Okay. At this point, they showed these guys putting on fake Native American stuff. Oh, they did? Yeah, as they're getting in the canoes. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, yeah, like they were putting on black wigs and arming themselves and... Yeah, I for sure missed that. That's why I was like, yeah, when you call them Native Americans, they were not... Right. I missed that detail because I was typing my notes. They do reveal later that... Yeah. To Davey and the rest of the guys. They do find out later that these are, in fact, not indigenous people. These are white guys pretending to be indigenous people. I didn't realize that yet, so I found this scene really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still really uncomfortable and not horrible. But But it's easier to kill bandits than it is to kill... Right. So they go through battle, they get through it, and after the battle, the rudder finally pops off of Captain Cobb's boat. Hold on here, because here, this is the defining factor between Mike's crew and Davy Crockett's crew. Because what happens is... Mike's crew is being, you know, surrounded by these guys. And yeah, they're laughing and they're shooting them, but they are about to be overtaken. And Davy Crockett's crew comes up and supports them and actually helps Mike Fink's crew out. 
And then half a second later, their rudder falls off. And Mike Fink is like, well, that's cool. Thanks for helping us. Bye, suckers. And like hauls ass out of there. Yes, he does. Night falls and everybody docks for the night and stops at a bar. Mike is feeling all drunk and I want to be manly and prove it, I guess. So he wants to shoot a beer stein off of the bartender's head. And the bartender is obviously very nervous about this. And Mike puts a stein on his own head to demonstrate how still the bartender should stand. Now let me point out here, these are not rifles. These are black powder guns. They're accurate to, let's say, a five foot diameter. Not the way Davy shoots it. Well, <laughs> not the way anyone shoots it in this. I'm, True uh, story. They're, they're not taking historical accuracy into the point, but... Just so you know, he was basically just saying, hey, I'm going to kill the bartender. That's not a thing. So Mike puts a stein on his head to demonstrate how still the bartender should stand, and Davey shoots it. Yep. He just shows up in the door frames like, hey, buddy, bang. Covers him in whiskey. Yep. Davey and Georgie try to distract the guys and keep them at the bar while the crew is fixing their rudder. I found it very interesting. Instead of getting the towel from the bartender that was on the bar, Mike rips the back of the shirt off his crewman and uses it as a towel to wipe off the whiskey. Mike does what he wants to do, man. (laughs) He's the king of the river. King of the river. Okay. What an asshole. (laughs) Georgie is like, hey, I know a great way for us to stall. Why don't we have a show of who's the better marksman? So he, of course, has got Mike all, I have to prove my manliness. Here I go. Nothing goes better than alcohol and guns. Let me just say that. Oh, yeah. And toxic masculinity. That's just a nice, beautiful little wrap it up, put a bow on it. This is a children's thing, right? Yep. Okay. I just wanted to check. Mike shoots a gun over his shoulder. Looking in a mirror, he shoots the gun over his shoulder, the bullet bounces off of a pan, and back to a stein that he's got balancing on his head. Yeah, there's so much with, like, why would he willingly do that to himself? But, uh, okay, it's, it's suspension of disbelief. Because man. Man! Manly man. Tight tights. Sorry, wrong movie. I actually, I have a reference to that later in this movie, in my notes. (laughs) So Davey, of course, he's the king of the wild frontier. He's going to do even better. He shoots over his shoulder, bounces the bullet off of a pan, it hits a bell, it hits a lamp, and then he catches it between his teeth. (laughs) He's not that stupid. Yeah, he quote unquote catches it between his teeth. Yeah, he did a lot of misdirection here. So what he did is he went around and flipped the pan over to get the right angle, and he goes over to the lamp and kind of like eyeballs it and then moves the lamp to the left a little bit, and then he goes over to behind the bar, and he's got them all watching him, and then something gets them to look away, drop down to the floor or something. But long story short, as he gets them to look away, he literally palms a bullet from his hand into his teeth. And as he fires the gun and everybody, oh, that's what happened is when he fires the gun, everybody drops. Oh, that's right. That's right. And as everybody drops, he clearly has shot a barrel of whiskey that Georgie plugs with his thumb. Davy Crockett, he's smarter than them and uses it against them. And it's brilliant. Yeah. After he tricks everybody, they look out the window and they get a signal from the captain that the rudder is fixed. So then, as they are starting to walk out, Georgie starts a fight amongst Mike's crew, and their crew all starts fighting, and Davy and Mike slip out, and they get to the river. As they're sailing along, they find a terrifying old man on the beach. I don't think he was meant to be scary, but the way the shadow was, like, landing on his face, his face looked really ghoulish, and I was not into it. He says that his boat sank, and he's been marooned, and Davy, of course, invites him along, and... The guy's like, hey, by the way, let me grab all my livestock that's also here with me. Livestock? So the whole crew has to go and try to wrangle a donkey, chickens, goats, a pig, and then a bunch of adorable piglets. They were so cute. Now remember when we said that this thing looked like an ark? That's not what we meant, that you could fit all these animals on there. It is so small. The entirety of this ship is probably less than 20 feet long. Yeah. And... You could barely walk on the side, so there was not a lot of room for these animals, let alone an actual donkey. Yeah. (laughs) Now in their little mini arc, 
they are sailing along and they unload them all further down the river. The old man tells them that there is a bayou that is a shortcut to uh, right above New Orleans. It lets out right above New Orleans, but that their boat might be a little bit big for it. But if they're willing to cut some trees down, cut some trees down, or maybe wade through it a little bit, the bottom. Yep. they can make it. Yep. So they go sailing through the bayou with a lot of bee footage of alligators and other wildlife. It's so bad. It's not even the same <laughs> aspect ratio. It's not the same resolution. It is so B-movie footage of these alligators. So they wade through the water amongst the gators, but they make it through and catch up to Mike just fine. Actually, out in front of them a little bit. Yep. Now there's a sprint for the finish, and Mike tells one of his crewmen to give him the Pittsburgh punch. And that literally just means poke him with your rowing stick. Yeah, knock him off. Yep. So they knock off one of Cobb's guys, and a full fight breaks out. And by fight, I mean it's just a bunch of men slapping each other with sticks. And this is what made me think of Robin Hood Men in Tights. Yeah. It was like as manly as the showdown on the river with Robin and Little John <laughs> flicking each other with the twigs. <laughs> yeah, it it is ridiculous. And it really becomes like a splash fight at one point. Yeah. Okay, I don't know Pittsburgh that well, but it looked more like a Philly punch than a Pittsburgh punch, I'm just saying, <laughs> being a Pennsylvania resident. By the time all of this fighting has kind of concluded, the only people left on Mike's boat are Mike and Jocko, and the only people left on Cobb's boat are Cobb, Davy, and George. Mike grabs a pole and is like, all right, I'm finally going to push. I'm not just going to sit back here and steer the rudder. And on his first push, he falls off the boat. Yep. So Davy and George win. They tell him that he can keep his title because the bayou wasn't part of the Mississippi River, so they will not try to claim to be kings of the river. But I guess Mike did promise to eat his hat if he lost, so he takes some bites out of his hat and eats it. And Davy Crockett did not want his whiskey, which was the other part of the wager, because Davy doesn't drink. He's He's an upstanding citizen. According to the song that happens, this new verse of the Davy Crockett song, they are like best friends with Mike from now on. Yeah, Uh, he's part of the crew. Like, that's what happens in the Fast and Furious movie. Once you defeat someone, they become part of your crew. So they hitch a ride with Mike further down the river and hop off along the shore. Davy and George give him a little mini cannon that is engraved with Mike's name and says, like, from Davy and Georgie. They also buy him a replacement hat as a parting gift. Yeah. So now we get the indigenous people referred to as redskins. Oi. They immediately start being followed by a Chickasaw hunting party. They get caught up in some traps that were set. They get gagged and they put them on horses and they make their way back to the village. Thank goodness they had those extra two horses. Yes. In this scene, we have them referring to themselves as the red men. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to let you talk about this next part first. Okay. So the chief comes in and he knows that Davy Crockett is supposed to be a friend to the indigenous people. To the Chickasaw in particular. Yes. He says that there's another tribe that is being slaughtered by white men, but the messenger from that tribe says that they are always peaceful. They are not looking for fights. And Davy says, why is this man in war paint? And they explain that situation. The guy that Davy is referring to, his skin is literally painted red. Yeah. My hope, (sighs) my hope, is that that red was meant as part of the war paint and that they literally hadn't painted his skin red to make him look more indigenous. Because the other men are just dark-skinned men. Yes. So that is my hope. Yeah, see, I took it in a different way personally, and maybe that's just me looking at it through future eyes. But a couple of them had paint across their faces. This guy, it looked as though they cast a white man to play this and threw a wig on him and painted his ass red. And I mean, literally from head to toe, this man is painted red. So much so that around his loincloth, you could see white skin. And that's what makes me fearful of this. I'm really trying to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that that's part of the war paint. Because it is pretty obviously not... It's smudgy. A skin tone. Right. And it looks like it was hand-painted on there. But anyway... Davy is like, okay, well, if those people aren't normally hostile people, I bet you that those are white men posing as indigenous people to do the pirating. Davy figures it out, and they all go to investigate. Davy recruits Mike to help with the investigation, too. 
to me, this is where when they were leaving Mike and they had finished their race, my guess is that's where the original episode would have stopped. And this is what been picking yeah. up on the new one. So this is the second Fast and Crockett movie. <laughs> and so now he's part of the crew. So that's, you know, it just makes sense. Right. They're best friends now. Right. So as they're sailing along, they find another boat that's been pirated. It's covered in arrows and tomahawks, but there aren't really any markings. And all of the feathers are placed in it wrong. They wouldn't fly right. They wouldn't. <laughs> right. It's not, obviously not a traditional setup for those weapons. Yep. So they decide to set up a sting. They fill bags with rocks that are supposed to be quote-unquote Spanish gold, and they hope that word will spread of their valuable cargo and the pirates will come after them. Like you do. Like you do. Pirates smell gold. That's just, you know, common pirate knowledge, right? They have enlarged olfactory cavities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And oh. specifically, it, uh, you know, picks up on receptors for rare metals. Nice. Yeah. Didn't know. So... While they're at one of the towns, they pick up a banjo player who has shown interest in them ever since they not so slyly dropped that they're carrying a bunch of gold. But he's just a merchant that wants to travel and bring his tunes to the world. Right, and why wouldn't we bring him around? Like, obviously we need some banjo music to keep the spirits up. He sings a song called Her Hair's the Color of Yeller, Yeller, Yeller Gold. And at this point I turned to Bob and said, I was today years old when I realized that Old Yeller means Old Yellow. Because the dog was yellow. Yeah, he's a yellow dog. I got it. I got it now. (laughs) Anyway. You're so pretty. (laughs) I love you. This banjo guy is super shady. He cuts a hole in the hull and plugs it up. And he's got like a string and a hook attached to it so he can unhook it later when he wants to. He digs through the bags and finds the cannon that says Mike Fink and Davy Crockett on it. So he knows like, oh shit, these are- These are literally legends. Yeah, like legit people on this boat. And he does some more digging and he finds out that all of the gold is just rocks. So he is obviously in with the bad guys. He was trying to- see what you did there! He did some more digging and found the gold. Oh, I totally did that on purpose. (laughs) 100%. So he's in with the bad guys, and the song he was singing was to tell the bad guys on shore what was in the boat. He was singing about all of her hair being yellow, yellow gold to signal to the people on shore that they had yellow gold on the boat. So Davy and Georgie tie the banjo guy up once they realize, yeah, this dude's up to something. But... While a couple other guys are down there and they're tying him up, the hook for the plug gets caught on somebody's shirt and gets popped out. He needs the respect that is due to him. His name is Moose. Apologies, Moose. All love. No. All love. All respect. I almost said all love. No respect. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. (laughs) So the hook gets stuck on Moose's shirt. Plug pops out. Boats start filling with water. By the time they realize that they are sinking, it is too late, and the boat is not salvageable, and the pirates are on the way. The quote was, we're sinking, which was said by Moose, and then Mike goes, we ain't sinking, we sunk. Yep. So sure enough, a bunch of white dudes in wigs and dressed up as indigenous people come up and start picking a battle with the boat. For the second time. Yep. The mastermind bad guy grabs the quote-unquote powder canoe. And it's just a canoe with a big barrel of gunpowder in. (laughs) With a really long fuse, they light the fuse and just shove the canoe towards the boat. Davy's like, cool, I see that. And he grabs one of the long poles that they use for moving the boat and just gives a little boop and just pushes it right back. (laughs) And Okay, at this point, and throughout this whole movie, I have just said to Kate, are we just using cartoon logic for the rest of this movie because that's what we really do and that was one of the 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 key moments that i was like did did that just happen because it's one of those things in a cartoon where one guy pushes the dynamite out and the other one goes nope bugs bunny pushes it right back i mean that's sure as shit what i would have done though oh absolutely but like and, and i'm not just saying in this so the the rest of this movie in the action sequence is that we will get to those were in quotes by the way you couldn't see that (laughs) cartoon logic and cartoon physics take over yeah i didn't have a problem with it though it's a kids movie it's meant for kids i get it i liked the balance they struck with the we're gonna try to make a sense of danger but then also have some comedic slapsticky kind of moments in the battle i think they walked that line really well for a kids movie directed at young boys 
In the 50s. In the 50s. So the bad guys manage to escape the exploding canoe and run to shore, and they start heading back to the cave where their hideout is. Davy and Georgie follow them. They find the huge cave. They are searching around, and Georgie just starts snacking off of their tables. Yeah. <laughs> I really like Georgie a lot. <laughs> he was 90% of what I liked about this movie. He's pretty delightful. Buddy Hackett. How can you not love him? Right. So they have booby-trapped the cave in the time it took Davy and Georgie to get there. Davy finds a line of gunpowder running to a keg. He just pushes that little line aside, breaks the line of the gunpowder. And then lights the other side like he's freaking Bugs Bunny going after Elmer Fudd. Yep, he lights the side not connected to the keg and is like, all right, let's see where this goes. Assuming that it's going to lead to where the bad guys are, which is... Not a bad plan. (laughs) No, it's hysterical and it's intelligent, but it's straight out of Looney Tunes. Yeah. There is another powder keg at the other end, but there was a bad guy standing next to it. So the bad guy jumps out to save himself and then the fight breaks out. That powder keg goes off, but it just like explodes in a little corner and everybody's fine. But of course, Davy and Georgie win the fight. Uh, They go to bid Mike farewell at the end of the movie. They are now besties and... The end pops up as Mike and his crew are rowing their way back down the river. Yeah. And that is Davy Crockett and the River Pirates. I I gotta say, I didn't hate this movie as much as I thought I would. Okay. I'm I, not I, gonna lie. <laughs> I will give it that its writing was better than the boy and the stupid badger movie. Oh yeah, way better. Okay, the one thing I will say, and I know that he's quote-unquote legendary for this role. The guy playing Davy Crockett... Looked like he could have been in office, like he he should have been in office space. You just put a, a button-down shirt on him and could just be your standard office drone guy. Like, he doesn't look what I would think Davy Crockett would look like. He wasn't the man's man. He was just a guy. I don't think I agree with you. I think he pulled off the, I mean, obviously they hired a handsome dude, like, because they're going to do that. But See, I, to me, he I would was... think he's more rough and tumble than like a Cary Grant would be. Uh, I mean, I'll give you the Cary Grant. To me, I don't think they picked a beautiful man per se. I think they picked a guy who who was like a five or a six. No, you're incorrect. <sighs> okay. He's I mean, I'm a guy. He's attractive. He just looks like an everyday guy to me. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're trying to have a woodsman, it's not going to be the handsomest guy ever. Nah, he just didn't feel rugged to me. He didn't feel like the man's man, per se. Yeah, I disagree. I liked him all right. I love Georgie. Buddy Hackett was phenomenal. Yeah. I think he elevated what he was doing. He easily could have just been like, yuck, 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 I'm the sidekick. But he had like some really funny, subtle, comedic moments. He had a little bit of drama in there. He acted this movie. It wasn't all old school, super over the top acting style like you often see in the 50s. Yeah, I would absolutely give you that. I personally liked Georgie better than I liked Davy Crockett. Oh, me too. 100%. I mean, Davy Crockett was the quote unquote boy scout in this. I get it. But like... He's a straight man. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't the most exciting. He was cool, and he's the one that little kids would be like, I want to be that guy. But as far as being more compelling to watch, Georgie was a lot more fun. Yeah. It definitely had that old school Disney charm. The music was melodramatic in the right Mm -hmm. way. And there were the audible punching sounds when they would punch somebody. It was bad. See, like, it was bad, but it's just old. I find that charming. A lot of the fight choreography, for me... It was straight up a cowboy movie kind of brawl. Oh yeah, for sure. But again, it's the 50s and I, I, I gotta pull it back a bit. I get it's a kid's one and I get, but like that scene when they're in the river and they're fighting. Oh yeah, that one was ridiculous. It was bad. But I think that, I don't know, it's just classic old school stunt work. Yeah. It is of the time. I think part of the reason why I had a little bit of affection for this movie is that it had a lot of similar vibes to not Robin Hood Men in Tights, but the adventures of Robin Hood. Like, it was very much kind of an old Errol Flynn kind of movie. And that movie, when I was a kid, was one of my all-time favorites. So I think I just have an affection for that old-timey adventure movie that's way over the top, but kind of endearing. Yeah. 
And I do think that this movie had some heart to it. And even though there is some very racially questionable stuff, it came from a place of ignorance and not hatred. They go out of their way to emphasize, like, Davy Crockett gets along with the indigenous people. And right. it's really bad that these white people are not only slaughtering the indigenous people, but pretending to be them. And, like, right. it was made of poor taste, but affectionately, if that makes sense. No, it does. And I get it. I, I I just see these things and like, okay, so I'll give you the Robin Hood feel of that that kind of action. But that, that was the one thing for me. And I guess that was maybe them taking it down from Errol Flynn being like a hero movie and this being more Disney Davy Crockett kids movie. It just felt like the fight scenes were dumbed down a bit. Have you watched The Adventures of Robin Hood recently? No, not recently. Because <laughs> it doesn't hold up. Okay. It's the same. It's okay. the same level. Maybe I don't want to go back and watch it because I maybe it would disillusion me. It just depends on how you look at it. Like, yeah. I look back on that affectionately. If that's not something you can do, then yeah, you probably won't like it. Yeah. So do you, do you have anything positive to say about this movie? <laughs> no, 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 no. I just agreed with what you just said. Okay. <laughs> with the portrayal of da- Davy Crockett and his relationship with the indigenous people and the Chickasaw in particular and... On that point, I actually found it interesting because he is friends with the Chickasaw people, but this tribe of Chickasaw didn't know him per se. And I kind of actually liked the fact that they were like, it was a tribal community. It wasn't like, oh, well, we know you are Davy Crockett, and so, you know, you get a free path. They still captured him and brought him in and was like, hey, who are you? What are you doing here? You got to prove yourself kind of thing. I actually enjoyed that it wasn't just... Hey, we got a communication from Central Chickasaw. You're good to go. <laughs> Central Chickasaw. <laughs> uh, I mean, I that, like that. I, I, I like it. I hope it doesn't get us in trouble. <laughs> yeah, please don't get me in trouble. Yeah. All right. So on a scale of one to five, coonskin cap seems too obvious. Mm. Let's say one out of five bites of hat. What Ooh. do you give Davy Crockett and the River Pirates? We're going to go with that one. It was either that or uh, Broken Chandeliers for me. Uh. So I will give this... Oh, gosh. Um, there's a lot to take in consideration, as we said. The good, the bad, the very ugly. I'm going to give this two and a half bites of hat. That is actually the exact same rating I was going to go for. Does it have its time issues? Sure. Is it as entertaining as anything we would watch today? Eh, no. I mean, it's fine. It is what it is. And does it tell the story of Davy Crockett and the River Pirates? Yeah, it does that fine. I mean, heck, I, I could have seen this done as a radio drama Yeah. in my head. It does what it does, and I enjoyed it for what it was. Taking it into reference for its time. Oh, and like, even the sets I thought were surprisingly legit. They really seem to put a lot of effort into the movie. See, now this was the really interesting thing we didn't get to talk about it earlier. So what I found really interesting was 90% of the shots of them on the river, they're on a river. I was really impressed. And then they got to a part where everything started to get why I think it was when they went down the, what is it, the devil shoots or whatever they called it. And so what they did is they went to a green screen and there were then several times that they were like, oh, we're just going to use green screen. We had all of this river footage. Why is Mike Fink on a green screen right now? First of all, green screen was not a thing in the 50s. That was literally a giant screen behind them showing footage okay, of a river. You know what I mean. And I think that most of the scenes where they were on the river, like the up close ones where they were just dialoguing. I think a lot of those scenes were filmed that way, and it was not blatantly obvious. I thought it looked surprisingly good for when it was done. I'll give you for 50s technology, it looked good. Right, because anytime they show people driving a car in an old movie, it's so obvious that they're fake driving, and there's a screen behind them. And this, to me, did not stick out like a sore thumb the way that did. It did a little bit for me. But it was obvious when they started doing the action scenes for me. Really obvious. Yeah, the river rapids, yeah, it was pretty obvious. Because there was very obviously somebody throwing buckets of water at them off camera. But when they were just like slow sailing along, I thought it was not too bad. I was impressed by 
the set building. I was impressed by the technology that they used. I The overall quality was better than I anticipated. I'll agree with you, especially when we're talking about the cave scenes, the bar scenes, and the town scenes. Like, it was legit old country towns. Everything as far as props and set dressing, I thought it looked great. Even when they went into the quote-unquote treasure room in the cave, it looked like they were in a, cave, a legit cave. Yeah. So yeah, I think... Keeping in mind when it was made, yeah, there's some racially not great stuff in there. Even though it's bad regardless, I don't think most of it was meant as harmfully as some of the other content that has shown up in Disney past. I think the message behind it was good. Mm -hmm. And I thought Buddy Hackett was delightful. And yeah. And if I were a little kid, I would have been into this movie, like for sure. My dad was around the right age for this, so I'm sure he was probably super into it when he was a kid. I think for what they were going for, they pretty much hit the nail on the head. Yeah. So yeah, I give it a two and a half. I enjoyed it. All right, so I'm going to now roll for next week. Let's see if I can end my terrible, terrible losing streak. We're going to review something new. Uh-oh. Black is King. Wow. Yeah, Beyonce's movie has come up on the roulette. I'm excited. I was really curious about this and just hadn't really gotten a chance to get around to watch it. So. Yep. Sweet. All right, guys. Well, we hope you will join us in two weeks for our next film review adventure of Black is King. In the meantime, like us on Facebook at Disney Plus Roulette Podcast. And follow us on Twitter at Disney Roulette. We're on Instagram and TikTok at Disney Roulette Pod. Or you can shoot us an email at Disney Roulette Podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so at browsehousemedia.com slash store. That's B-R-O-U-S-E, House Media. Or by rating and reviewing on your podcast app of choice. Thanks as always to Bob for co-hosting with me. And thank you listeners for joining us. Oh, it's a pleasure, sweetheart. And don't forget, that'd grow pink whiskers on a hound dog. <laughs> Cue the hound dog snoring. Cue the hound dog snoring. Thanks for She's the offended. assist, Beckett. Yep. Bye, everybody. See ya!